Good morning, everyone, and welcome again to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we give a voice to women whose story is meaningful, moving, and compelling. We share these stories with the world so that in their shining, they give us everyone else a permission to shine as well. I know I am personally inspired and motivated by the guests on my program, so I am honored to welcome today Joanne Holmes. Joanne, so glad to have you here today. It is absolutely my pleasure, Susan. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, I love how we connected. Um, it's a beautiful story. We have a lot of shared um, past, if you will. And I hope that others can gain from this podcast what you and I gained from the relationship that resulted from my Elevate podcast. Um, you are so wonderful to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I think it's fabulous. Now it's your turn to tell the world a little bit about yourself. Sure. And I'm, I'm grateful to you for appearing on that podcast. I was so inspired. And when I was listening to your interview, I thought I have got to meet this lady. So thank you for being so willing to connect with me on LinkedIn and, and start this conversation and friendship. Uh, so I am, as you said, I am, my name is Joanne Holmes. I usually go by Joe unless I'm in trouble. So I'm going to try to stay out of trouble and <laughs> just go by Joe. Uh, and I am an intellectual property licensing attorney. I am a mom. I am a Christian. I am someone who is really focused at this point in my life on trying to listen to where my talents and gifts are and using them in a way that lights me up and makes a meaningful contribution that aligns with my intentions. So uh, I am now 20 years into practicing law. I started uh, at a large full service law firm here in the Atlanta, Georgia area, doing technology and intellectual property work. Uh, I am someone who doesn't usually fit the profile of what someone might think an intellectual property attorney looks like, and I love that. Uh, and I sort of, I, I will admit up front because it'll come through no matter what, that I am a nerd. I went to Stanford for <laughs> undergraduate as uh, a proud member of the nerd nation and then moved <laughs> here to the Atlanta area, <laughs> um, for law school and, uh, at Emory. And I've lived here for the better part of, of that time, um, since I started law school and I chose intellectual property because Back in the mid to late 90s, as I was looking around and, and understanding what the term intellectual property means, I thought, geez, I don't see how this is going to be less in demand in the future. And I don't see a lot of people as I look around who are women or people of color doing this type of work. And that served me really well as someone who was an anthropology major as an undergraduate. I have the pleasure of managing intellectual property portfolios and doing licensing work uh, in about 150 countries around the world. So wow. diversity and uh, curiosity around brands and software and business content and professional expertise are what light me up. And I serve in as, as an external member of my client's executive leadership teams. And so I surprise them because they don't expect lawyers to jump in and talk about business strategy and how to earn more revenue. But that is what makes me most excited, uh, taking intellectual property assets and leveraging them to build IP licensing programs and help people 
achieve their business objectives. So if I am talking business strategy, be it the person doing my hair or the person who I'm talking to at a barbecue, I am a very happy lady. Awesome. So that's a little bit about me. I have to say, I'm still giggling about Nerd Nation. I love it. Um, this is a community of nerds here, the people who are on my show and the people who listen to it and my circle, uh, my whole family. Um, so welcome. Welcome to Nerd Nation. I feel honored to be a part of Nerd Nation with you. You are Absolutely. I have to say, I was blown away the first time we had a conversation. Your story is amazing. I would love to have you tell it in greater detail, maybe um, on the blog that we write after people get to know you better. Like I know you, um, you are unique. You are um, an outlier. And for so many reasons, not just the diversity component, but when you said you understand business, I've trained, I'd say 1600 lawyers in my career. And most of them do not understand business. And it's very difficult to them for them to make the transition from the practice of law to the business of law. But the fact that you speak the client's language, oh my gosh, that's so unique and amazing. And I see why they're, you know, dumbfounded or blown away or gobsmacked, depending on where you live in the world, <laughs> by your ability to speak business. That's great. Well, I, I really am grateful that I have had opportunities in my career to see business from different perspectives. So I will be the first to admit that when I was a baby lawyer, I walked into uh, the, the firm that I worked with originally, which was a large full service international law firm. And I saw my role as one of professional responsibility to serve clients. I was naive about the realities of the business of law. And I left that role and moved in-house when I was maybe four or five years into my career. And I was pretty quickly assigned to serve on a management team of a global division. And so I understood what it meant to hit EBITDA targets. And I wanted my colleagues to enjoy receiving those bonuses. And I wanted to be part of that as a single mom. I've always been thoughtful about the revenue that I'm bringing home in my family. I've always been a little bit of a personal finance geek as well. And so I moved through my career uh, understanding and appreciating the tenets of business because I always worked in lean companies where there were relatively few lawyers. And if I wanted to get the attention of the people on my team and have a meaningful impact, I needed to understand what our business objectives were and not just understand, but be accountable for achieving those objectives together with the leader of marketing or sales or R&D. And I needed to understand how to respect and appreciate what is important to the head of R&D that is different from the head of sales, that is different yes. from the, the ops or, or the CEO trying to integrate all these pieces. And if you can't speak with impact and concisely and make your point and know not to cry wolf, then you won't gain the respect at that table. And so I'm really grateful for that, but I was humbled all over again when I started my own law firm because it's a very different thing to serve on the management team of a eight, nine or beyond uh, figure business and to run a business as a solo practitioner and to build a team yourself. So yes, I Tell love business. About that. That's amazing. So um, people who listen to my podcast know that I use a, the word amazing a lot. I need to find a new word, but I'm very excited. <laughs> you are amazing. You're amazing personified. 
So tell me a little bit about the differences in, I mean, obviously you had a lot of support. It was a much big, it was a bigger company, but as an entrepreneur, there's so many things to be passionate about and excited about having your own business. I see what you give your clients as a gift is trusted advisor. That's what you are. You're a trusted advisor, not a vendor of legal services, not, you know, they're excited to take your call. You understand as much or more about their business than they do. It makes the conversation flow. But what kind of um, things like really surprised you or were struggles maybe? Um, I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but I want to know what, what was a struggle maybe that you had in going from working in-house at a huge company um, to being a solopreneur? So I will caveat this and say for the audience, what you know about me, Susan, I pray my way through everything. I am a person of faith and there's really no way for me to be Joe without the integration of my faith. And so to be honest, the reason why I transitioned from my last in-house role where I was a VP of an international company, I had clients in North America, Europe, Africa, and Australia, New Zealand. So um, not unlike the former British Empire, the sun never set on my clients. <laughs> there was always somebody <laughs> working somewhere who I needed to be accessible to. And I, uh, I had built myself golden handcuffs. And yeah, unfortunately, it took disappointing my daughter uh, and dealing with the realities of an unintentional disappointment of her for me to push out of just doing the next thing that a successful attorney does. And it caused me to rethink and really come to a point of valuing that I was not being paid because people were being kind. I was being paid because I brought substantive contributions that helped us achieve business goals. And I had to do some spiritual work and some mindset work to really recognize my own value and do what I encourage other women to do. But in stepping out, I was scared. And so I did a lot of, a lot of praying and a lot of research, which won't be surprised for other nerds, uh, and came to a point where I said, okay, I will give this a try, uh, and stepped out and started my practice in the fall of 2015. And I'm going to be really honest. One of the things that was a big surprise for me was uh, learning to do business development. And I always approached my seat at any table. You know, I'm a little black girl from Kansas City, Missouri. And so if I'm at the table with the CEO of Walmart Canada or the CEO of LexisNexis, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I'm a little black girl from Kansas City. But at the front of my mind, I'm thinking, well, doggone it, you're at this table and you better step up, step up so that the next person coming behind you yes. has had that door opened and the value of you being at this table is shown because what I'm not going to do is waste the blessing of being there. So I had focused so much on being competent. And what was a surprise to me is that so many of my clients recognize my competence uh, what I did not anticipate is how they would work with me because they like and trust me. And so I had to get comfortable with the whole of who I am showing up, not just this woman knows intellectual property or she knows licensing or she knows how to negotiate. My clients are all mid-sized companies, upper seven, eight figures in annual revenue. Their clients are typically Fortune 500s. So they're always punching above their weight. And when I sit down at the table, they not only need to know 
that I can negotiate with that team at the Fortune 500. They need to know that I am interested in them, their team, their families, their well-being. One of the highest compliments I've received is, thank you for being our friend. There's no higher compliment that I have received as an attorney than the confidence that people give me when they say, I know you care more than about being our lawyer or earning revenue from us. You are in the trenches with us. And I take that one step further and say to them, you should require that. You should require whether it's your lawyer, your financial advisor, uh, any external professional service provider, if they are not doing more than simply delivering whatever you are retaining them to do, you're not getting enough value. You should require that everybody on your team be what is the slogan of homes at Law My Firm. They should all be your business ally. Absolutely. And if they're not, they're not serving you well enough. So to answer your question, it was me coming into my own and feeling comfortable with the fact that it's not just competence. It's that additional component of, of extending myself so that people know who I am as a person beyond knowing what I can do as their lawyer. That is awesome. I have chills listening to you because what you know, and most of my listeners may or may not know, um, is I tried to train attorneys for 18 years, about 1,600 attorneys, to, to develop that and to understand that and embrace that mindset um, that you just described so beautifully in such a great storytelling mode. Um, but the fear factor there, you overcame it with the, the resources, your prayer and your belief that it was a blessing to even be at the table and to be able to say, I owe it to my daughter and others to open this door for them is very powerful. Um, what a motivator you are. How inspiring. You're incredible. I love this story. Again, knowing so many lawyers I don't think I've met many who are like you. In fact, I would venture to say I've never met another <laughs> like you. And, and That's very kind of your storytelling abilities. Oh my gosh, you're an incredible storyteller. I'm, I'm hanging on to every word. I know that during this interview, I have to ask another question at some point, but I'm like, no, just let her talk. Go on, go on. <laughs> this is your podcast. I'm going no. to follow her lead, Susan. This is an opportunity for you to share your story, but I rarely get a guest who's so, um, uh, we know someone, we have a mutual friend who is much like you in her storytelling ability and gift. And uh, she too owned the podcast. I love it. You know, you own your story, you take the floor, you grab the mic and you own it. So awesome. I think this was a moving and very meaningful uh, example for the audience that listens to my podcast. Well, let me ask you, uh, you've had a lot of accomplishments. I know um, that for sure. What has been your proudest professional accomplishment? So when I was a little girl, uh, my father, who's a very strong personality, wanted me to become a physician. And I don't know how to deal with sick people. So I knew I needed to come up with some other uh, acceptable profession to him. And I remember being um, 11 years old and watching the news and seeing a man who went to prison for 30 years for a crime that he did not commit. And I felt like we as a society took his life from him and there was no apology that was going to give those years back. And I felt like we bullied him. And I've always, since I was 11, had this fire in my belly and visceral sense of justice. And a sense that I am not okay 
with people being taken advantage of because they don't have enough power. And what I do today and what makes me proud is primarily helping my clients understand the power that they have in a negotiation. Wow. So that might look like me telling a client, you've been giving away too much because you've never had an attorney to tell you you were giving away too much. You've been browbeaten into starting negotiations at the 50 yard line. So let me help you understand how you can serve your customer well and how you can protect the intellectual property that you've worked to create. I'm going through some things with a larger client right now uh, that's a legacy company that I have supported for many years and they're going through a transition. And I was literally just having a conversation with this, them this morning and they said, you know, we were talking about it and we realized we've come to the point where anytime we're not sure what to do, we say, ask Joe. Uh, and I am, I'm not sure that this is the most difficult challenge that I've, I've um, encountered, but it's very personal and it, it's the truth. What I love to do is be an advocate for my clients when I'm not as good at, honestly, is figuring out how to advocate for myself. So I'm still trying to be genuine in thinking about, I don't question I'm going to show up with value. I don't question my work ethic. What I'm not sure of yet is how I show up and ensure that I am being the kind of advocate for myself that I would be for my client. I'm still working through that. I'm, I'm not surprisingly praying about it. And I'm trying to put myself in a position of what would I say to someone who asked me to support them. I'm trying to be the strategist that I am for my own clients. Um, so that's something I'm working through in business right now. So I will say that I, uh, I think that's common among women who are forces of nature and just amazing, go out there, teach others to know their value, um, declare their value. Uh, they don't do it for themselves. I'm, I'm guilty of the same issue or I struggle with the same issue, I should say. You very much said something earlier in the podcast that you had said with me on a conversation um, about how you help your clients know their value. Um, when we had our first conversation, you turned my mind, you changed my mind and I stopped giving away what I do for a living. Now these podcasts are something I do for a giving and that's going to always stay that case. But the work that I do that I get paid for, I was, you know, thinking, Oh, to raise my profile or to build a relationship, I should give it away first. But then you run the risk of becoming known for giving too much away or not knowing your own value and then becoming devalued by others and then worthless. So I love this conversation and this lesson that you learned and, and the accomplishment that you've um, overcome that, that you now know your value, you state strongly what you're worth and, and that you're helping others do the same. Um, you helped me to do that. It was at that point in our conversation where I decided, you know what, what I do saves money, brings in new business. It's, um, you know, very beneficial to not just the bottom line, it saves time. I mean, all the factors that are important to a successful business, I'm going to charge what I'm worth. And it's been working like for the past year, I think we talked a long time ago, um, not quite a year, but for the past year, I've transitioned because of your inspirational comments that you made on our call um, a few months back. 
So thank you for that. And I love that that was your example of a proudest professional accomplishment. And I'm glad to see that you are walking the walk. I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to hear that. I love that, Susan. I, if there is something that I can do to help, in particular, help another woman feel empowered, give her the actual tools, practice with her, strategize, think of the words, we are such an important part of our household economy, our community economy, our national, our global economies. In 2019, there is no reason why a woman's value should not be recognized on par with her peers. And so the fact that I did anything that helped encourage you just fills me with joy. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh my gosh, you did. So I have to tell you, my business has doubled and, um, you know, charging what I'm worth. I've gotten more clients because of it. That's um, great. Yeah. So you really were. This next question that I want to ask you, uh, who has been your best inspirational mentor? I might say that you were that to me. <laughs> to you. Um, because I really turned a corner that day, totally just 180 and said, this is crazy. If I believe in what I'm doing and if I believe in what I'm saying and others believe it too, then I'm worth what I'm charging and I should charge it and not hold back. So thank yes. you for that. Um, so to that question, who has been your mentor? I've had different mentors for different things. I learned as a young woman not to put other people on pedestals because it's not fair to them and it's not fair to me. So what I try to do is focus on if I, if I admire someone, I try to spend the time and think about what is it that I admire about them and what things can I do to incorporate that in my behavior and how can I be thoughtful about my intention that mirrors that attribute that I admire rather than a particular person. But I'll tell you the person who frankly comes to mind and she's my aunt. I, I had the privilege of seeing her just this past weekend. She for many years was the first lady of her church and uh, I remember, this is the story that she told me that really impacted me because she was the first lady of a church and it was in, it is still in a neighborhood that's uh, got some economic challenges and someone came and stole something from the church. And so she asked around in the neighborhood and said, who did this? And she found out and she went up to them and she said, listen, I grew up without very much you never have to steal anything from me. I would give you, and I've seen her repeatedly do this, I would give you what I have because you matter to me. And I've seen her do that over and over without publicizing it, but just genuinely, quietly living in faith and in generosity in the belief that what you give is of service. And don't worry about what's going to come back to you. So I know juxtaposing that to how my face lit up hearing you advocate for your value, the thing that impresses me most in my mid-40s is generosity. And I think in order to be generous in whatever ways feel right to you, you I, I won't speak for anyone else, I need to do the work to keep filling myself up, to keep knowing that I am aligned with the blessings that were intended for me, and to to allow myself that time and space to be still and to remind myself of who I am in my faith and who I belong to in my faith. 
so that when I step foot in my office or when I step foot on a call or when I am in a position to be a blessing and share a strategy or encourage someone, I can be generous because I've spent that still time. So my aunt, Winona McCullen, is the person who continues to be my mentor. Her, her smile fills me with joy. Her generosity inspires me. She's fiercely smart. And I don't want to be her because that's not what she would want, but I want to keep learning from her example. Wow. Wow. What a beautiful story about your aunt, because I'll say most people wouldn't go that route. And it's very disarming to allow for others to make mistakes in the way that she handled that particular situation. You know, you don't need to steal. I'll give you what you need. You know, that's beautiful. And she sounds like a remarkable woman. And I know we should talk a little bit about your daughter because she's a force <laughs> for good in your life. And um, I look forward to meeting her. She lives not far from me right now. I know she's home with you, but she'll be starting school at Stanford. Bravo. And um, I would love to meet her. But talk a little bit about your daughter and the relationship you have with her, because I think that's very um, interesting, meaningful, compelling, special, and unique, the relationship you have with your daughter. So uh, I'm a single mom. And my very favorite title in the world is Bria's mom. And uh, who I want to be in the world and my advantage on the world is very much driven by being her mother. I am more empathetic. I am more thoughtful. I want to be a better person. She teaches me and inspires me and cracks me up. And um <laughs> she's a bigger blessing than I ever could have imagined because I never wanted to be a mom. So literally, you know, my cousins joke with me that when we were kids, like if we played house, I'd play the next door neighbor. So I didn't have to be anyone's mother. And, you know, logically, it just didn't make sense to me why you would want to be a parent. It just seemed like a lot of work and a lot of money. And I, I thought, I just don't get this whole parenting thing. So um, God is gracious and Bria is more of a gift every day Bria is more of a gift than I could ever have imagined and we are a household of nerds since we're both Stanford people and um, I I am inspired just to watch her shine you know I'm grateful for our friendship I am I'm hopeful that what other people feel uh, in the most meaningful relationships that they have is something like what I'm blessed to have with my daughter. Oh, nice. Nice. I'm, I'm not being a cynic when I say, I don't think that's the case, but um, <laughs> I, I think what I have with my son and what you have with your daughter are very unique and special, but I might be being naive. Um, I'm just saying, you know, both our kids are off at college now. Today's Jane's first day. Yay, James! Yeah, we'll see. We'll see about that when he writes me tonight. <laughs> when his head hits I'm the pillow. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure he's brilliant. I'm sure he's taking it all in, and he's going to be extraordinary as he has been so far. He's an old soul, I'll tell you that. But I think for both of us, that we're not ashamed to say that being a mother is as meaningful, if not more meaningful, than the successes in our work world, and so. I challenge people to bring their whole selves to work. You can't just be, you know, a VP from nine to five and then a mom from five to the next day. I think you need to understand that real life means we, 
you know, have positives and negatives from the home that come with us to work and vice versa. And we need to be able to manage our, uh, not just our time, but our attention and know that it's okay to, you know, if something's going on in your personal life, you need to take time out or you need to explain to someone at work that this is happening um, because we need to start to encourage other people to be authentic and to show vulnerability. Um, I believe vulnerability is one of the biggest strengths we have. And when someone is courageous enough to act with, you know, grit and grace and show their vulnerability, then that gives permission to other people to be authentic and genuine as well. So a little bit of Brene Brown right there, but, um, well, absolutely on the vulnerability point, and I'm going to go one step further and say we need to stop expecting women to apologize for there being mothers. There you and go. And stop expecting men to apologize for being fathers or for being sons or for being daughters. The reality of a society is that we need to support the people in our networks. And so while I don't have employees at my firm, I have great relationships with contractors whose businesses I support. And when my executive assistant went out on maternity leave, then there was a cost for me as a business owner to ensure that her place as my contractor was there when she came back. But yeah. you know what? That's what it means to participate in a community. Right. And there were people who were advocates for me as a single mom, especially when Bria was small. And to this day, I make a point of reaching back and saying to those people, you made it possible for me to have the career that I had. And thank you for that. You made oh, a difference. I love that. We should not apologize for the fact that societies have families and families need support. And if we don't vocalize that and push back on the obvious, then it's harder to change the status quo. There's nothing to apologize for. Right, right. Wow. You need to travel with me and do my workshop with me. <laughs> <laughs> I actually You're really kind. would love that. You, you have, so you are what I say we should be. You're that. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're personifying what I say it should be. So bring our whole selves to life and understand that we share that with others. Everybody else has family. We need to honor family. We need to know that things outside of work sometimes mean more than the dollar. In fact, more often than not. Um, so yes. especially in the law firm setting, I, I believe a lot of that, um, the suicide rates, the drug addiction, the alcoholism can be attributed to the inability to be real and to be authentic and to be whole. And the struggle to, you know, get those billable hours in at the risk of missing your daughter's birthday party or the guilt that comes with that and just feeling like a failure at home and how that drips into the workplace. Um, yeah, I think that you're on to something big there, taking it that next step and, and owning your life and not being apologetic about, um, I know, for example, at my last firm, um, I had a situation that was a personal struggle. Um, my mother had fallen and broken her, broken her hip and needed surgery. And without going into too much detail, I certainly am not trying to slam the firm, but just the corporate culture there was one of, and so, you know, it was like, get it done anyway. And I'm like, I'm in the uh, hospital with my mother right now. I'm not going to be working on this. And they're like, well, bring your laptop. You know, that mentality has to change. Um, and, and I think a lot of that mentality is what contributes to the uh, mental health issues and the stressors that cause these 
these stats about suicide rates and alcoholism and drug use in the legal arena. So good for you and good on you, as my old-fashioned husband might say. Um, <laughs> well, I'm going to pass that good right back to you because I remember when I was listening to the podcast where you were interviewed that prompted me to reach out to you, my face was lighting up because you were advocating for women. And the reality of the society that we live in is that money lends choices and lends power. And so when women stand up and use the right tools to speak to their value and do that strategically and own their wealth and build their wealth purposefully, then they have choices. For me, the reason I had the choice to be able to leave the golden handcuffs as VP of the international company is because I had built a financial foundation that gave me choices. And when I am thinking about how I'm going to negotiate something, I am thinking about a set of choices right. that I want to be made available for my team or for my family. And so for women, I think oftentimes when we think about the impact of what we do on the people we care about, then we feel stronger and our, yeah. our stance feels um, more buttressed because we can walk into that knowing someone's depending on us. So when I just listened to you talking about being there in the room with your mom, the thing that pushed me out to start my practice was to be there for Bria and not inadvertently disappoint her again. And then to stand up for my value, know what the market worth is, go in and make the impression and do the work. And so if I decide, as I did many times, to be at Bria's volleyball game with a laptop in my lap, then that was my decision. But I was able to be there because I owned my agency and I served my clients and I built purposefully the flexibility to be able to have a meaningful career and to be Bria's mom. That's and awesome. to be in the position I'm in now where I have no regrets about the time that I spent with her or the priority that I made her. And also to be in a stage and a season in my career where I'm stepping into my value and I feel great about the contributions that I can make. You know what you strike me as? You strike me as, I mean, I'm just so touched by your whole story and the way you live your life minute to minute, day to day. Um, it's not about you know, so pain is not a choice, but suffering is. So it's not about the things that are thrown at you. It's about how you handle them. That's so beautiful. Um, I, I just think you're really unique. I think a lot of people are in that crazy space of anxiety and fear, living out of fear. Uh, look to you and to now me, uh, who had the courage to get out of that kind of situation, um, as I could never do that. I could never be that. How, how can we advise them? Like what's some advice we could give women in business who are struggling with the issues that you and I are fortunate enough not to struggle with because we made those choices to, to honor the right things and act out of love and not fear. What's some advice we can give to other women in business that would lift them up? So I think the first thing we can do is what we're doing right now. I think that we serve each other well when we tell the truth. Because so many times we are seeing someone's accomplishments, but we don't know what came with that. Um, I had people whose office I could walk into and close the door and cry. I had people who I didn't even know to ask, but who told me, here's what's going to happen next in this negotiation. And here's what you're going to say. 
and made it a point of investing in me without me even knowing to ask Susan. And then on the other end, I've had women who have heard me on podcasts and sent me an email and said, thank you for telling the truth about being a single mom and the advances you made in your career, because I've been told I can't be a successful lawyer and have kids. And while I did not have it in my plan to be a single mom, I keep coming back to my faith. I literally, when I am challenged and I don't know what to do, I have a little note that I keep on my iPhone. And I read that note. I have it organized because I love to organize things. I have it organized by career. I have it organized by finance. And I literally go back and read the things that I didn't know how to do that God did for me. And, and then I stop and think, well, wow, you know, I graduated from Stanford with less than $6,000 of debt. And my mom died when I was in college. Wow. Oh my God. I think about the house that I live in, that I love this house and I wanted it so badly, but somebody else had a contract on it. And I prayed and told God, I want that house. And those other people canceled their contract. I just have too many examples that I can look back over my life. And I also believe that if I don't have the mindset that I can do something, I would never have done it. When I was growing up, Claire Huxtable was the lawyer I wanted to be like. I didn't know any lawyers. I definitely didn't know any black lawyers or any black female lawyers. So I think that to answer your question, what we can do is tell the truth to each other. We can take the time to be still because we are so busy. We can take the time to be still and think if you are a person of faith, what has been accomplished in your faith. If you are not a person of faith, think back and be honest with yourself about the number of times you didn't know how you were going to achieve something. And yet, look what you've done. And then decide what you want and put one foot in front of the other and prove to yourself you can do it. Because what I know is that when I have done something, Nobody can take my confidence in that away. I know that I was able to achieve that. What my brain doesn't know yet and doesn't have the confidence yet around is how I do the next big thing. But I'm pretty sure I can do it. I just have to decide I can do I'm it positive. and encourage myself. <laughs> You're incredible. I'm positive you could do it. Um, you are a testimony to what it means to operate out of love and not fear. I want to be honest about that. I'm scared about things all the time. I just choose. I'm actively aware that the best way for me to live is with intention. Yes. So I give myself time. I try to do it every day. I'm not perfect. But I try to give myself, even if it's just five minutes every day, to be still and remind myself of what my intention is and remind myself of what my beliefs and my values are. Again, so that when I step out, I've given myself a chance to fill back up. That's incredible. But there are days I cry. There are days I'm scared. There are days I'm intimidated and overwhelmed. And I'm regularly doing things I've never done before. But what's the better option? I don't see one. Well, I have to tell you, many people struggle with being still, you know, being silent, just they, they get uncomfortable. It's, it's sort of self-actualization. You know, I used to yeah. meditate every day. I don't need more and it's something I should do and I miss it in my life, but it's a place where you create 
a safe space for you would say God to speak to you or your higher, better self to speak to you. And you can actually hear the meaningful messages. But if we're too busy and loud and going, 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 and always um, stressed and filling our calendars and, you know, there's no quiet, safe space to just listen or just to be. Um, I call it, we become human doings rather than human beings. Yeah. Yeah. We're oh, that's so good. That's <laughs> yeah. Really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm not surprised that you do that. You are that remarkable. Um, tell me um, if people want to know more about you or learn more about what you do for a living or how you raised your daughter or anything <laughs> they might want to ask you, how can they reach you? So the best way to reach me is through the website, which is homesatlaw.com. It's H-O-L-M-E-S, like Sherlock Holmes, A-T-L-A-W.com. Our contact information is at the top of every page. And I have a podcast, which is called Your Business Ally, just like the firm slogan. And what we focus on in the podcast is helping mid-sized companies uh, grow recurring intellectual property revenue. So we talk about business strategy, how to negotiate with those Fortune 500 companies. If you, a lot of my clients have never had a consistent relationship with an attorney. So we've got an episode to talk about how you know an attorney is a good fit and how they and other professionals should be serving you. Uh, we break down the term intellectual property, which a lot of people don't know, but it's really just trademarks and copyrights and domain names. For consultants and business experts, it's all the sort of knowledge work uh, and business content training. All those materials are things that so many businesses, in fact, every business has some component of intellectual property. But if you don't know how to identify it and apply it, then you don't know you're leaving revenue on the table. And I love to have those opportunities to help clients leverage that, particularly because I find that I'm usually working with a founder who may still be the CEO or a very close knit group of family or friends and executive teams. And so building their trust, showing up at the table, helping achieve business goals, thinking through strategy. Again, that's what lights me up. So that's what I focus on, on the podcast. So again, on wherever you listen to podcasts, your business ally, and then the website is homesatlaw.com. You are amazing. Okay, so I didn't know about the podcast. That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> Would you be okay if I sync a link to your most recent podcast into our blog about you and that way people can have easy access to your podcast as well? Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you are I, honestly, I'm not, you know, I don't pick favorites, but I'm telling you, you stand out as one of my top, most amazing friends. Uh, that I've had as a guest on this podcast. And I know that when people hear this podcast, they'll feel like they've known you forever and they'll want to really know you. Uh, And so I hope that people will reach out to you and get touched by you the way that I did. Um, I am going to now commit more time in my day for that safe, quiet, silent time, you know, that, that space that I need to create to just listen, listen and just to be and sit with intentionality, you know, so be grateful and you're so inspiring in every way, personally and professionally. And so I'm grateful to know you and to have you as a friend. Um, thank you for being here today. Is there anything thank you, you say in closing before we say goodbye? Well, what I was going to say is I know you would want your son to have the gift of that quiet time. So I'm so happy that you're going to give that gift to yourself. 
and uh, I would I would close with the two bits of unsolicited advice that I always give, particularly to women. The first is you don't get what you deserve; you get what you negotiate. So whether it's your girlfriend or your sweetie or your mom or whoever, practice negotiating so you can stand up and be the advocate for yourself that you should be. And second, if you don't set your own agenda, someone else will. Wow. And I hope in particular that women will think about the gifts and talents and blessings they have, listen to what lights them up and what brings them down and set their agenda to serve themselves and serve their communities in the way that they were blessed to be able to. That's awesome. I think one too often women don't feel um, like it's okay. They don't give them permission to serve themselves, but we are going to change that. We are, if you don't love yourself first, why would someone else love and respect you? And, you know, so you've got to to know and own your story and love yourself first. And then others will in in turn mirror that you're incredible. We're going to say goodbye. Now I want to thank everyone. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you. Have a good day, everybody.